Now, from the makers of bullshit comes the all-new Blue Sex Machine. Designed to chop, slice, and shred your family. That's right. Now you can shit directly into this giant salad bowl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. It's 48 minutes of dogs barking. My name is Jason. Alongside for the ride with me is Brian, my hey. do or die bitch. You're hearing this episode uh, on time because uh, I'm a crazy person, and uh, I fucked up and, and deleted the original episode, <laughs> uh, and so now we got to do it again um, for everyone involved. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our very special guest tonight, which is, of course, the self-described gender-fluid transvestite goblin best known for creating the Hugo-nominated microfiction Midnight Pals Writer of, quote, Psychosexual Body Horror, winner of the Brave New Weird Award for Tenebrous Press, and co-host of the podcast A Special Presentation, or ALF Will Not Be Seen Tonight. Please welcome to the program, Vitter Carilla. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> me. That is a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like it, because I, I like hearing about all the stuff I do. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a big man. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you go, I did that? Oh, yeah, that's right. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I sound pretty great. Um, mm -hmm. I remember last time when we recorded the first time, I was like, yeah, might be winner of the Hugo by the next time we talk. Uh, it turns out that yeah. is not the case, so I am not oh. the Hugo winner. Um, I was... You know, but you know how it is. It's all rigged. It's rigged. No, I kid. I kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and Chuck Tingle have a very uh, clear case about it being rigged. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I joke because uh, Chris Barkley, the, who uh, won Best Fan Writer, is actually like a real good guy and does really good work uh, in the fan uh, reporting community. So uh, can't say it was not deserved. Um, but uh, still, I would prefer if I won. You know, that's just my feeling, right. you know, um, in general, in yeah. general, you know, um, but like, you know, the Hugo's happened in China. Um, I, I guess not, I guess Raytheon did not sponsor them this year because I haven't heard any drama. So <laughs> I guess it all went very boringly. Um, good on China. Chairman G really came through. So uh, I'm glad that it went well. I think Chairman G's in charge over there, right? It sounds right. Yeah, that sounds, sounds right. right. Yeah. It's like I, I totally I know geopolitics. I'm a knowledgeable person. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, right. I'm not sure who's in charge of that. It's like, oh, you know, the emperor, maybe. I don't know. Uh, right. Uh, who knows? Uh, the, great, who knows? the great Khan. Uh, I'm not sure who runs China. Um, <laughs> probably, you know, like Mao. Is he still around? I know who's not running China. Who? Who's that? The landlords. Good. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> See that that we need to get that sort of energy over here. Yeah, we're kind of we are uh, we are missing some of that uh, uh, Maoist thought yeah. in, in the West. Here. You know so what we need absolutely. to do over here? We need to get all those landlords and throw them in the communal mm. wells for harboring bicameral thoughts. You know, we're just saying that China's way ahead of us on that sort of thing. So, um, oh, oh know. yeah. Anyway, America, get with the program. Come on, what's the deal? Yeah, <laughs> but we won't because this country sucks. And uh, I'm allowed to say that on this podcast, right? 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry, I was kind of babbling. Anyway, <laughs> I was say we say it pretty regularly, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, you're you not for on like me. Pod Save America or something. Uh, you know? anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's actually very problematic the way that I hear you've been like talking shit about uh, about our our uh, glorious leader uh, uh, Joe Biden. Um, Joe so you're gonna make everyone, you're gonna make everyone bring you. Trump back. Do you want Trump back? Is that what you want? Oh, I don't think that really matters at this point. Shit's fucked, but um, yeah, the uh, the Democrats have shown themselves to be uh, just as much in love with war and cruelty and alienation and uh, the displacement of minorities and migrants. So yeah, at least Trump was funny. i will say that i will say that remember when they had uh halloween at the white house and there was a kid dressed as a minion and he just like fucking just puts the candy bar on top of the minion costume it slides off he's just like man fuck it like oh truly a top 10 moment yeah him staring at the sun during an eclipse that's probably my favorite i I have i do love that moment total (laughs) moron (laughs) I do respect that we had a president who was not afraid to stare at the sun. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, hey, it's about time. We've been letting that sun push us around for too long. I say, <laughs> yeah. bring the pride back to America. You know, we are not afraid of the sun. For too long, America has yeah. been afraid of the sun. We're going to Mr. Burns it. We're going to we're going to put a big thing to block out the sun. I think that happened yeah, in the yeah. Simpsons movie. I, it's been a while. Sure. I was thinking of the Mr. Show sketch, how we like the moon has pushed us around for too long. We're going to just go blow it up. Yeah. America can and will blow up the moon. <laughs> underrated. Underrated show. There there are so many great moments. And so many great people came out of it. I mean, uh, God, Sarah Silverman and Jack Black. Oh, hey, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. She, she said something about didn't her she? right now because she thinks it's okay no. for children in Gaza to die. Right. Okay. And uh, Tom Kenny, hey SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 wait. Jay Johnston was at January sixth. I got to rethink this. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know there are so many great moments in Mister Show. You know what? It also by a very weird coincidence. Uh, recently, I was remembering Mister Show, and I was like, you know what? It was a great Mister Show moment. FF Woody Cook. You know, mm. uh, mm-hmm. great, great skit. And I was and, the shake um, the crime stick. That's him. Yep. And uh, my friend was like, oh, you know, that's based on a real guy. And I was like, oh, really? And I looked him up and it was like, he died that day. No shit. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> uh, uh, I think his name, FF Bittenbinder. Bittenbinder. Some, I forget yeah. the name. Yeah, JJ Bittenbinder. That's him. He literally died the day that I looked him up. So um, wow. kind of weird. But uh, other than that, however, there's so many great Mr. Show sketches that I would I'd say that like FF Woody Cook's. That's not even the top. That's that's maybe top no. ten, uh, but not the best. Pre-taped live call-in show. Yeah, when we used to do the show on like a week delay, Brian would constantly say like, "This is the fucking pre-taped call-in show of podcasts." Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we, had, we had a we had a week delay for some. I can't even remember why, but like, I guess it was just so I had time to edit or whatever. But it was just like, "This is uh, we're like a week behind everything. What is going on?" <laughs> um, and so eventually, eventually we caught up and and we're we're going pretty much live to tape now. And uh, boy. Yeah, those there were some weeks where we were like, wow, I just saw that. I heard that episode that dropped, and uh, that story has really fucking changed in the past week. And <laughs> that does happen a lot with this stuff. Like for example, uh, our first story of the uh, this week segment 
is a, a guest we just had on this past week, Miles Klee. He was talking about this before we started recording last week. And I'm so mad that we didn't get it on tape because, boy, it was really funny hearing about it firsthand before it became a Rolling Stone piece uh, on their uh, culture blog. But uh, TikTok dragged her for eating 48 oysters on a date. Restaurant manager says, quote, it's nothing new. (laughs) (laughs) I love this story no matter how many times I hear it. This is like the meatball story that the guys on What a Time to Be Alive told. She goes on a date with a guy. She takes him out for drinks. Again, you got this is very important for the story. It's for drinks. This is user Iquana with three A's. She goes to Fontaine's Oyster Bar in Atlanta, Georgia. They have Oyster Tuesday, $15 for a dozen, which ain't half bad for downtown Atlanta. She proceeds in front of this gentleman to eat four plates. So that's, you know, 48 oysters and then gets crab cakes and then potatoes and then like lemon drops and all this stuff. And then he just ditches her and she says, why is this guy in the bathroom for 20 minutes leaving me with the check? (laughs) Lady, I would have left you at the second tray. Like, okay, that's $30 worth of oysters. We're here for drinks what is what is happening here that is a lot of oysters that is an excessive amount yeah because like i can split 12 with my wife and be satisfied you know what i mean like that's what happened when i was in vegas that was the i had half a dozen and i was like you know what this is good that's enough oysters for me Mm. i'm fine and i'm a bigger guy you know yeah i i have a theory about this story though myself Mm -hmm. first of all like because the question is whether whether it's justified that this guy uh, ditched her. Yeah, I went to the bathroom yes. and jumped out the window while she was uh, <laughs> whatever she, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, slipped out the back door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All while she's going Anton Scalia on these oysters. Um, <laughs> and um, I would say, like personally, like if I was involved in this, like I think I, I would, I would pay good money to see a woman eat four trays of oysters because that's how many each. That's ten oysters each tray. That's forty oysters. That's 12 each tray, 48 oysters. 48 right? oysters. That's a good amount of oysters. Now, I mean, I I would – now, my proclivities, there's other things I'd rather see, like, a lady eat, like a wedding sure. cake maybe or, like, you know, <laughs> just, just, you know, with, with eight tiers. You know, like like pastries. You know, that's my thing, waffles. Um, but oysters will do. I will still be sexually aroused at 48 <laughs> oysters watching them be eaten. But that's me. I okay. – I, like I said, I think most people don't have my particular interest in that. So a normie, I think, is justified in leaving because he's been promised dr- – he's been uh, sold on that they're going to get drinks. Right. Not 48 oysters that she's not even sharing. And then crab cakes. And, and crab, crab cakes. cakes. Oh, were there, were there lemon drops involved as well? Yeah, she was drinking lemon drops the whole time. That's there was right. like three lemon drops on top of it all. So just it's ridiculous. Because, um, I mean, at that rea- point, this is a first date, too, I think uh, they said. Yeah, yeah, because th- it was some guy that had been, like, hounding her for a date and, but like, let me take you out to drinks. Let me take you out to drinks. And so she relents but takes him to this place for oysters <laughs> and then gets mad that he doesn't, like, split the check. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, first of all, first of well, besides all the other stuff, it's like, look, the guy. Yeah, she's she's soaking him for forty eight oysters, and like, obviously, he's he's going on a date because you know, I, I I haven't dated in a while, but I assume mm-hmm. the kids when they date today, 
they want to like fuck. You know, they're still into that sort of thing, right? You go on the date. One, and after, one would hope. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, the economy which, still allows it. Yeah, it's still in style. <laughs> I think that's still a thing. So I'm guessing if you're if you're watching your date eat 48 oysters, it's like, yeah, she's not going to be in the mood because she's going to have like the fucking meat sweats, you know? Yeah, she's, yeah. She's so you're basically like just paying, and you know that's there's no point at that point. I mean. No, not to be yeah. churlish about it, but I'm assuming that if you're going on a date and you're not and you know 100 percent that you're not going to be get down to clown. It's like, well, why even bother at that point? So, yeah, I think he's probably pretty justified in just bailing. But I suspect there was no dude at all. I suspect she made up the whole story so that she could do this thing for Internet clout because she never shows him on video during the whole thing, right? He, he is not seen whatsoever. Yeah, so I think this was – she invented the whole thing. Uh, it worked because she's in Rolling Stone, and she's right. famous for eating 48 oysters. Yeah. I, and I just realized there's video footage of her eating 48 oysters, so I got to go watch that now, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons. <clears throat> yeah, personal personal reasons. But yeah, there. Are, I mean, even in the piece that uh, uh, Miles there does say, you know, first she denied any charge the video had been staged. Uh, as to why the table never gets cleared, Flanagan explains, Flanagan being the restaurant manager, explains that the, the TikTok user asked her server to keep the empty plates so she could stack them for the video. <laughs> now, the restaurant manager does confirm that there was a guy there. Okay. Hmm. And, and I don't I don't know what was said, Flanagan says, but he popped back in and then they left. Huh. OK. Oh, well, yeah. there's a new wrinkle. So I'm going to assume in that case, this guy was probably her like stage manager or whatever they have. When right. You're a TikTok person. Right. You know, you're right. you're um, I don't know what you have when you're a TikTok person. I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured Brain out. Brain damage. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it too. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Here's a couple of, of, of Twitter comments. There, I'm watching this irritated because she was exposing my favorite oyster spot in Atlanta, but this is way too funny not to share. Uh, another one: she sat in that man face and slurped down 48 oysters, two crab cakes, potatoes, and three lemon drops while recording. Bro, I would have left her ass too, <laughs> and so on and so forth. I mean, there's just so many. A lot of reaction to that. Speaking of reactions on Twitter, a really weird one this week. I don't know if you're following this little bit of drama with Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys, of course, uh, You Don't Know My Name. Uh, she sang on that uh, Jay-Z song, New York uh, State of Mind, which is not the Nas one. It's the other one. Alicia Keys, this, uh, this poster says, posted this pro-Hamas filth on Instagram, even going so far as to say she's interested in paragliding like Hamas paraglided into the concert in towns where they raped and killed over a thousand civilians. Hamas colors. Read her caption under the picture. And then this user then tags at stop anti-Semites. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just... Alicia Keys's post, by the way, is the most innocuous thing I've ever seen anyone post. What would you do if you weren't afraid of anything? Live your truth. I've had my eyes on paragliding. Two eyeball emojis. It would be very funny if Alicia Keys had tweeted, "I, what would you do if you weren't afraid of anything? I've had my eye on paragliding, just like Hamas 
paraglided right, into right. those towns <laughs> to rape and kill. Um, that would be very right. funny if she did that. A very different story. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, people be looking for reasons to be mad right now, uh, which is very unusual on the Internet. You know, people never do that. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Just what, what a bad time to to express your curiosity in like a like weird California dude's hobby. <laughs> and then also have it being used by an insurgent element in a conflict in the Middle East. Because it really does it really does look like uh the footage of those guys paragliding into that music festival. It looks like something out of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I know I know that's a cliche. It looks like something that happened in GTA online, but it really does. It looks bizarre. It looks surreal because it is. It's a surreal thing to do. It's just what was the concert? EDM, I think. It was bad EDM because all EDM oh. is typically bad. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> you have to be more specific. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. And then um, what way you get roasted on the internet? Not going to say anything about uh, the conflict in the Middle East. I already got shadow banned on Twitter for, for talking too much about that. So No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. I thought you were shadow banned on Twitter for uh, for doing the Sinfest uh, thread. Um, <laughs> that was why you got shadow banned. I'm, I'm actually not sure at this point because I have been shadow banned. And it happened after I posted uh, a little about the Middle East. And also people mm. discovered the Sinfest thread and started retweeting that. So it's uh, one of those two things. I don't know. I'm not really sure what Al Elon is mad about these days more. It could be anything because it's Elon. He's a wild man. Did he find the Midnight Palace thread about, about the Italian Elon Musk references? <laughs> he... Midnight Pals is still, still findable on Twitter, so he has not noticed that. You know what? Who knows? I'm at a loss. That's why I'm telling everyone, go find me on Blue Sky. I'm mouthing off there now. Hell yeah. That's the place to be. Brian, are you still uh, hanging out on Blue Sky? Kind of. I think I like I post on there like once every couple months. Like uh, I think the last time I posted on there was uh, when I photographed AJJ a couple months ago um, at Del Mar Hall. And just before that show, they had announced that they had um, – joined blue sky so i was like oh okay well i guess i'll promote the foes over there and like tag them in the post and they also have not posted since they made like their first <laughs> their first first skeet on blue sky which was just a, a photo of the open road saying this tour thing's pretty cool <laughs> which, <laughs> which is very on key for like sean ben's sense of humor i guess i'm not like cool enough to have like a a following that translates over the blue sky um, it really seems like if you were someone who like had a podcast that started in 2017, you moved over Blue Sky, that you had like a, a following that found you there or followed you over there. Me, I'm just like a yeah, angry tough. guy in the Midwest. So, well, one thing you won't see on Blue Sky is Eve Barlow's hot takes. <laughs> oh, Ooh, these are spicy. Some uh, you mean uh, oh, our? Um, I'm gonna say something anti-Semitic. Uh, you, you mean Eve Fartlow? <laughs> yes, Eve Fartlow. Uh, oh gosh, I just got I just got a follow request from Stormfront. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a DM from the IDF. Hold on, let's. Oh, just... wait, wait, what? <laughs> so, what is our good friend Eve uh, Fartlow up to these days? Oh boy, Eve Fartlow has been uh, posting through it. Uh, here is a post. <laughs> I can't even get through this. I completely understand why ordinary Germans thought the Nazis were great. 
that's about all I could make it through without about puking myself. Uh, because they were efficient and they promised to build a great workforce and economy, they were selling something. Now, she follows it up with, but the Palestinians aren't selling anything that the Western intelligentsia can buy. Nobody truly believes if the Palestinians were in charge here in the West that suddenly we would have utopian lives and great business structures and yada, yada, yada. Do they? Uh, <laughs> which is... It's certainly a take, I guess. Uh, a whole just, lot going on there, as they say. <laughs> Only Eve Fartlow could get on Twitter and be like, you know, uh, regarding the Nazis, you got to hand it to them. And then, you know, refuse to elaborate further. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible. Incredible mind, you know, like a shiny, smooth ball bearing. Amazing. She's giving mother. She's serving. It's OK. It's fine. <laughs> So Eve Barlow or Fartlow, sorry, I gotta give her the credit of her of her proper name. Yeah, she's always struck me as as uh, she's she's kind of one of those very particular kind of lib-brained people who's like, I like having Mexican immigrants because we get more taco trucks, like that kind, you know, <laughs> kind of like what's in it for me sort. Yeah, because it is very yeah. weird. She's like, well, you know, if you're not getting out of it anything out of it, why are you opposed to a genocide? <laughs> like uh you know you, you know there's a lot of genocides that like i'm opposed to and i'm not necessarily getting anything like i'm not you know it's like right. what, have, what have the uyghurs done for me lately you know what have, uh, <laughs> you know it's like okay i'm not really sure what she's um what she's getting at here it's peculiar because it's she's kind of making i think an argument here that falls into the old anti-semitic trope is that like that israel is above america or has some sort of control of yeah. america so that that is peculiar but it's also just like yeah you're right it just what can i what's in it for me which is which is just a, such a lib brain take i gotta ask if the Palestinians don't have running water electricity or fuel uh what can they give to me the uh privileged american what can they give to me on the free market that the the israelis can't i have to ask you know um huh you know i have a degree in journalism huh <laughs> so it's you fart she's been uh, had an, a locked account for what now five years at this point no one has been allowed to reply to her for years uh, yeah she edits the the ability to reply but no her her account is not locked you can um you can go ahead and, and just pull her up unfettered brain worms though like anytime she posts it's anyone uh, only accounts that she follows or mentioned can reply so you know n no one's blowing up her mentions with with uh, eve fartlow but they are hitting the the quote tweets quite a bit so <laughs> now is she the, she's the one who had the thing where she saw like a stop sign and was like, oh, I got scared because I thought it said stop oppressing Palestine or something. It was free parking. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, and she thought it said free Palestine. <laughs> and then it was the Jews are tired. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know where she where does she live uh, in general? Like <laughs> where I, I mean, look, not, I'm assuming who, New York. Okay. I'm just assuming it just be, right. you know it's a it's a thing. I'm just um, curious where where it would make sense to be just driving around and see a parking lot with a big sign that says free Palestine. Like where where would you see that in the United <laughs> States? Cuz I yeah, feel like I that's think of one. It's yeah. not really a normal thing. Like maybe Berkeley, but like even then I don't think that's a normal thing, you know, to just see on the street. 
No, I'm sorry. Her her bio says Los Angeles, California. Okay. Yeah. There are a lot of dumb people who live there too. So um, <laughs> I, I, I think that scans. All them coastal people, you know, what do, what do they know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Carella, are you familiar with the gentleman uh, who goes by the name of Kyle Gordon, also known as DJ Crazy Times? Why, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, we love DJ Crazy Times here on the show. Of course, Planet of the Bass, we really liked covering that. Kyle Gordon, though, has released <laughs> on the on the uh, TikTok handle, at Kyle Gordon is great, every... Early 2000s girl boss country song. It's called Girls Are the Best. No argument. It is Kyle in some pretty passable drag. Uh, <laughs> long red hair, doing what is essentially a Shania Twain video. But also side by side is Kyle Gordon himself. I said Kim Gordon. Boy, uh, tells you where I'm at. <laughs> uh, Kyle Gordon himself in a in like a trucker hat and all, all the subtitles are like, if you listen to this song, you're a stinky feminist. Uh, so he's playing both sides, which is great. Uh, so he's guested on the song by Tanya McCabe as a song is called Girls Are the Best. It's so much fun. It really, it's like Shania Twain times. He seems to be kind of filling the, uh, ecological niche that uh, Kelly and Shoes did, you know, back in the before yes. time. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's exactly. Yeah. This kind of uh, uh, drag adjacent uh, <laughs> performance. Yeah. 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 And he looks, he looks, he looks just like he's having a good time. That's what oh, I yeah. love about it. It's just like, it's a great performance. He looks good too, you know, but the idea that, that he's playing both the, the character in the video and then a character who is like mad at feminists in the same video. It's like, ah, okay. All right. I think you might have something here. Uh, <laughs> aside from just the obvious, like clickbait stuff. I think like the idea of this is pretty fun. Like you're dressing up in, in both the, the thing you want to kind of celebrate as like a goofy art form and also immediately coming up with a counter to it in character. Were you ever a Shania Twain fan? I definitely enjoy some some tw some of the Twain. I yeah. like the one where she sings about like how she can drive a car. <laughs> okay. Women can do anything. Women can do anything. That's why they're my favorite guy. I yeah, like the see? one where she sings about like what is it? There's another song she sang. She sang a bunch of songs. I'm trying to remember what they are right, now because right. it's been like a hot minute since I've heard since I listened to Shania Twain, but you know, right. they they were catchy because she was kind of the early aughts, I think, wasn't she? That was her, her heyday. Yeah, not from 97 to like 2002. That was her big her big era there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I remember because country music was was getting that was when it was really turning into the, uh, you know, the like, I have a truck. Oh, there's a girl. She's wearing jeans. Are they painted on? Yes, they are painted on jeans in the back of my truck. You know, like that was like every country song. So sure, sure. it was like a fr breath of fresh air because she was singing about like, well, she did sing about a truck, I guess, because she sang about her car. That's kind. Of, that's basically like cars are basically like the trucks of the road. So it's, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. But um, well, you know. the big one was, of course, man, I feel like a woman. Uh, oh, that yeah, don't that's impress right. me much. Uh, you're still the one. Like there's a lot of a, a real classics in her oeuvre, as it were. And, uh, oh, yeah, man, that don't impress me. I heard that in the Walgreens the other day. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, that one is that one's pretty good, too. I like when she's saying that, like, oh, you think you're 
you think you're the, the Brad Pitt. He's like, yeah, that's right. He was like a big guy at that point. He was the heartthrob. 97. Oh, yeah. 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 So he was just in uh, Thelma and Louise at that point. So, yeah, yeah everybody was, everybody uh, was like, oh, nuts. he was an interview with a vampire. He was, in, oh, yeah. you know, he was yeah. he was the man. Um, I'm sure he's still good looking. You know, I'm sure he's still doing stuff. I just have got a little bit older is all I think is really well, just the only thing. Yeah. So speaking of vampires. Dracula and etc. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best segue I got for this. Are you familiar with Plum Corp Records? You know who these folks are? Yes, I am. They're fu- fully draculated. Fully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about this on the program before. Of course, we talked about Dracula Flow. It's the guy in the really goofy uh, Dracula costume with the painted on. <laughs> with the, I mean, it's like it looks like it's drawn on with Sharpie. It's the painted on Widow's Peak, <laughs> and he's and he's just slinging all sorts of game. Like uh, uh, Brian, what was the one? Because you started writing your own. It was like I did. I'm, I'm throwing did. I'm throwing bands at the ancient pyramids. Uh, <laughs> that, no, his was uh, yeah. I, I was I, I'm throwing diamonds at the club beneath the ancient pyramids or something along those lines. Um, let's see here. Yeah, because I had to pull it up because he was messaging me just like <laughs> all sorts of wild shit. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> Took two hits of that Nepalese Hindu spirit wax and went Master Chief nonverbal at the Circle K. <laughs> Out here learning new gain signs like I'm playing the League Bea of No Man's Sky on these bars. Plug at the Blimpies gave me the senior discount because I call him son. <laughs> I think uh, I think your favorite one, Jason, is a uh, hip bowl of that Jory LaForge. Now I can't see shit. <laughs> yeah, that one. Is that, is that the one you're talking about? Oh, yeah, that was I was at the dentist and I was getting ready to have a fucking crown put on and I'm reading these and I cannot stop laughing. I'm like crying laughing at the <laughs> dentist. <laughs> god damn it uh, well so those guys uh, they they put out a track just a week ago uh, from a guy who supposedly looks like Michael Phelps I don't see it uh, they call him Big Swimmer it's a track called <laughs> Spread It and then almost immediately out comes this it's Bat Talk uh, it's <laughs> a guy it's a guy in a really cheap looking 60s era a Batman costume with <laughs> bloodshot eyes and he's going like I'm a real freak. Uh, <laughs> I'm the top. I ain't been milked in a minute. Ferragamo Bat Belt. Indian ginseng got me feeling wild. <laughs> and it's it's three minutes long. And this guy's just like freaking out and going like, the perk hitting, the perk hitting, the perk hitting. Where is she? <laughs> it's like, fuck. I urge you, if you haven't seen it, those of you listeners out there, uh, go look it up. It's just Bat Talk. It already has about a quarter mil views, as well it should. Holy shit. Like, just... It's unhinged. Just like Dracula Flow, just like Big Swimmer, all that stuff. These guys are are fucked up, and I love them for it, because they're inventing (laughs) fucking... They're inventing language. Like, I saw a meme the other day, and it was an image from Dracula Flow, and it just said, like, if you listen to this, your vocabulary will be forever changed. And they're fucking right. <laughs> because every time I see one of their videos, I like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess now I'm just going to start saying, uh, you know, I ain't been milked in a minute now forever. <laughs> That's just how I'm going to start talking. 
He says, like, I need a, a, a thick bitch with regular legs or something. <laughs> Just... Yeah, no, relatable. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, granted. Uh, <laughs> the internet has allowed so many wonderful things to happen. <sighs> Plum Court Records is, is just among them. Brian, you, you had a theory, though. You were talking about how, like, you think this is just, like, somebody's uncle. I get the, like, surprisingly young uncle vibes. Like, I feel like this is, like, I've, I have a few friends growing up that had, like, an uncle. Like, so, like, say we're in our mid-teens, like, an uncle who was, like, somehow in his, like, mid-20s. You know, like you're trying to do the math, it doesn't work out, but you're just like, you know, whatever, like he's going to drive us to the mall. <laughs> but this is like the thing if, if TikTok or YouTube existed that he would probably like that kind of uncle, that sort of uncle magic would transpire. <laughs> um, just yes. kind of like he and this stick, just bizarre. Like the whole plum core, rec- some of the stuff is, is just downright. It's more weird than it is funny, but there's some stuff like the big swimmer and like, dracula flow that that is really just ethereal and amazing i i do feel like it's probably just like a bunch of bored guys just hanging out like they don't want to own boats so they just want to make weird videos like they don't have to do with their time <laughs> or money so they're just gonna be like yeah let's right. let's buy our buddy some versace shoes and, and put, a, put a, a, a swimmer swimmer's cap on him and make him wear the the goggles and and we'll make we'll say he looks like michael phelps <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have him record record like the the lamest trap rap song through a vocoder and he's just saying shit about like the the, the bitch on fentanyl got me uh catatonic and like just absolute lunacy i love it i i wish them nothing but the best i hope this guy gets whatever's wrong with his bloodshot eye fixed oh. <laughs> the bloodshot eyes are really upsetting <laughs> it is distressing <laughs> like the makeup is smeared in a way that looks like it looks like he's been crying <laughs> that really fucks me up um there's all these really unsettling close-ups of the bloodshot eye yeah the bloodshot eye is the part that uh that's not cash money to me because then that makes me go oh is this guy really just perked up and they're just filming him because <laughs> that's some sort of elder abuse that you, you can't even imagine it's, <laughs> fuck all right we got to oh uh another thing the magic of the internet has given us is of course a tiktok account called at meme music 117 Krella, are you familiar with this have you heard about this have you seen it uh, <laughs> uh this is a new one to me what's this one about this this one is essentially taking a, a Blender objects or or Maya objects, things that are are created in a 3D modeling software and making them perform along to popular music, but popular music from like 20 years ago. So here's one. uh, The Machines One says Andrew Boley, I can watch The Simpsons play break stuff. Whatever AI they trained the Homer voice on is pretty good. Uh, you got Marge playing a, a, a righteous bass in the back there. Uh, Bart, of course, on drums. Lisa <laughs> uh, playing guitar in the background. Mecha Godzilla and Optimus Prime. <laughs> 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 if you notice in the crowd, uh, obviously uh, Wiggums is there. Uh, you got Iron Man, a stormtrooper, Peter Griffin, <laughs> Lois Griffin. Let me say Shrek. Shrek's there, of course. Yep. Uh, yep. The, co- the co- comic book guy. A few other, Krusty, of course, in the crowd. Batman, I see. Uh, Apu, Dr. Nick. One of the funny things is uh, in the back, uh, Superintendent 
super sorry super nintendo chalmers uh not <laughs> dancing at all just t-posing t-posing i see that <laughs> <laughs> well seymour i made it to the concert and that has to be uh, he made it to the concert despite your instructions yeah it's uh, <laughs> just losing it again he's perked up he's he's ready to go <laughs> Apparently, this channel is is if you look it up on TikTok, it's page after page after page of just that. It's just let me let me, let me pull it up now because because they update constantly. So the account itself has thirty seven thousand followers, one and a half million likes, and their latest video. Let's see, Homer Simpson singing "I Shot the Sheriff" by Bob Marley <laughs> and the Whalers. <laughs> Uh, he does Highway to Hell, and there's hundreds of videos like this. And it's just Optimus Prime singing Nirvana's "Come as You Are." Great stuff. Uh, it, it's that's a pro click if you're a TikTok user. That is because that'll just randomly pop up in your feed now, and you'll have you know fucking Optimus Prime being like, uh, "You want to put Nani?" Like, what the fuck is going on here? We do have to. Uh, end this week's segment on what's happening on the internet with a bit of sad news of course this from uh, this little miss can't be wrong salma hayek arrested military tribunal executed crimes against humanity adrenochrome age 36 years old through 52 years old hashtag the storm has arrived so rest in peace salma hayek that gorgeous rack will not be forgotten <laughs> So oh, sorry. I had a I had Howard Stern moment there. Like, oh, she got a great set, yeah. <laughs> Selma Hayek, born at 36 years old, died at 52 years old. Uh, but as you can see, the Adrenochrome d- did make her into a cat girl, which I think is kind of the. I mean, that's what it's yeah. for. I think. I mean, that's the whole point of. That's the whole re- the Adrenochrome. You take a wait a minute, a Adren. Adre- I think they misspelled Adrenochrome. Is that how they it's did? Spelled? No, there's no O. They missed the O, so it's Adrenochrome. Yeah, yeah, it's Adrenochrome. Adrian Chrome. Adrian Chrome. <laughs> Adrian Chrome and Adrian Brody in that one movie. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, I'm glad that finally justice was served, and because um, right. I think it's I think it's just terrible how Selma Hayek has been cracking those babies' heads for way too long, so that she way can suck on the the sweet sweet marrow inside, just so that she yeah. can become like. A cat girl. Right. And I mean, the results, honestly, I mean, the results, not too impressive. She got the ears, but I do not see the collar. I do not see Mm-mm. the giant, weird, oversized paws. Um, nope. I don't see the Sailor Fuku. Uh, just yeah. just very disappointing results. So um, I, I can't say the Adrenochrome really did her much good. But was it worth it, Selma Hayek? Now, now you're dead. I think the original judgment was passed down back in 2017 when, of course, she starred in How to Be a Latin Lover. So um, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the wheels of justice turned slowly, but but finally, she finally our long national nightmare is over. (laughs) Uh, We can rest easy knowing that Selma Hayek is is no longer, you know, a threat executed. If you see Selma Hayek, don't worry. It's not really her. The real Selma Hayek is dead. That's just the clone they made so that people wouldn't panic when right. Selma Hayek was executed. Well, you know, they did predictive programming on this with that Netflix series that she was just on. You see, that was the, them telling us that they already had a, a digital Selma Hayek clone ready to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, that's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. They, yeah. they tease you. They put, they put all these, these – they, they, they hide it from you, but then they put clues, you know, mm-hmm. so that if you're right. in the know – you you can mm. suss it out. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm saying is 9-11, inside job. So, <laughs> you know, in conjunction with the Rand Corporation and the Saucer People and the Reverse Vampires. Jamie, can you pull up the Reverse Vampire picture? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of wild, it's about the best transition I'm going to get. This is the Crypto Scam of the Week segment of the show. You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the Crypto Scam of the Week. Platypus DeFi lost yet another $2.2 million in a flash loan exploit. Now, Corella, are you familiar with, with uh, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, any of that stuff? Um, I, I've heard of it. I've, um, not, it, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I know people keep telling me to, to, to get into it. I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's good. <laughs> uh, everyone's always saying like, you can't not lose. You can't, you can't lose money on it. It's like printing money. My experience though, when people tell you a thing that doesn't make sense and they tell you that it can make you money, yeah, usually that it's not going to make you money. Generally. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But what's this? How does this particular scam work? This one was actually a protocol that got got for about two two point two mil. That's a lot of Funko Pops. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that is essentially what what all the NFT shit is. It's just like Funko Pops that you can't display in your man cave. <laughs> if you really break it down, Certicay, which is a blockchain security platform, which is a, a bit of an oxymoron if you ask me the platform platypus suffered three attacks with 2.23 million taken across the exploits starting back on the 12th they got hit for 1.2 million a second occurred hours later with about a half a mil and then a minute later the third attack occurred with another half a mil the fact that they got hit three times in a row is baffling usually it's all at once yeah that seems bad it seems it seems really bad. So, Brian, I got to ask your expertise on this because you're the guy who would know. They reference themselves platypus as an automated market maker. So that's a little bit outside my expertise. I am familiar with market makers, automatic market makers. I think I think if I had to take a wild guess from what I've been able to glean from the context, I see those those terms used. It's kind of like pooling people's money into a fund and then using that to kind of shift the markets because now you have the volume. I think that's what that is. I think that's what that okay. is. Again, I that's okay. There's like certain levels of of the finance aspect of crypto that I'm not really hip to. I'm more into like weird dudes that have like eight packs that live in like a coastal city that just flip shit coins all day and somehow make money. That's the stuff that I pay attention to. That's fair. So uh, my understanding of it is much like Brian's is that they pool their resources and then you can do buys and sells without going through some of the more traditional processes. So what happened here is what's called a flash loan attack. Now this is a familiar thing to anyone who's been kind of following the crypto space. A flash loan attack essentially means that the traders exploited a vulnerability that allows them to instantly borrow without providing collateral 
and then just run off with the money. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, give me, a, give me a half a mil. And the exchange goes, okay, without putting up anything for it. Usually you got to put up a coin or an NFT or whatever it is that they have on their market. For whatever reason, they were able to exploit it and just say, money, please, and just get it. And so <laughs> this apparently is so common that it like has a name and there's all these different ones that have happened, especially to this exchange. Apparently, Sertike had noted that a recent flash load attack is the third one this year. Not just three in the one day like they just had, but also <laughs> February, the protocol lost eight and a half million in a similar exploit, which then meant the stable coin they have. Now, a stable coin, and I'm going off what Brian has told me here, so I'm tr trying to keep my memory fresh, but a stable coin yeah, it's, means... it's supposed to be pegged to a, a real-world dollar that's being held somewhere, which, in theory is sometimes true but you look at something like tether where they print like hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes billions of dollars but like <laughs> where's where's the actual dollar that exists in real life that that represents and so in this case it depegged the stable coin meaning that the, the that stable coin lost its value which meant that now instead of you know one coin being worth a dollar one coin was like 48 cents and then of course in July, they lost another 160000 So third time this year, not looking great for Platypus. Apparently, they're trying to make people whole, though. They created a, a portal for victims who lost their assets. But God only knows. If, you tr if I trust these people like this with my money one time, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> it's like if, I, if, <laughs> if I hand you 20 bucks and you go off and you blow it on whatever, and then you go, well, I'm going to make you whole. Just give me your social security number. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I'm doing that. Come on. No, no, this time it'll be different. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's that junkie friend who's just like, no, man, like, I'm good for it. I swear. I was going to say, maybe, you know, you just, the problem is you're just, you don't have faith. You don't have faith in the power of crypto. He's got a system and he's going to go, <laughs> he's going to go hit the machines. He's got to go hit the slot machines. He's got a system. Uh, so the other thing that happened in crypto scams this week is something that really blew my mind. It was called Ether Hiding. I'm not as familiar with how this works, but my understanding is this. This according to a Medium post by Guardio Labs. Ether hiding, hiding malicious code in a smart contract. So the idea is Binance Smart Chain, which is a whole protocol in and of itself, you can host things there. You can put whatever you want on the Binance Smart Chain. So what these people have done is they're taking this blockchain and using it as a repository for ways to hijack stuff like WordPress sites and, and uh, browser update hijacks, Cloudflare overrides, just all sorts of insane things. And because it's on the blockchain, it's forever, right? That's the idea at least. And uh, <laughs> they're concealing JavaScript code which is then injected into the, the, the would-be victim's computer and then it just carries out whatever program it's meant to do um, so they can remotely and instantly modify display whatever message they want um, update block domains you know they, they do all these things to like get around stuff like cloudflare which we all know is a is a, a, a big name in like, cybersecurity, and just ridiculous because <laughs> because essentially they're using 
Binance Smart Chain, which itself is sometimes host to things like rug pulls and other scams, to facilitate additional scams. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's scams within scams. It's scams all the way down. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking meta. It seems like an evolution of something I had started hearing about a couple of years ago, which is what they call uh, dusting, which particularly happens on the BSC, the Binance Smart Chain, which is um, a scammer will take a look at a wallet that has like a, a, a some sometimes it's the whales and sometimes it's it's the people that are a little bit below that that have you know some some considerable amount of some shit coin you might have someone that might have a couple thousand dollars someone who might have more and they will create a fake smart contract has same quantity same ticker same everything looks identical except for the fact that the the unique address for the the coin is obviously going to look different but if someone is just using on BSC, like most people trade on PooCoin because <laughs> it's a lot easier than using Pancake Swap, which is uh, kind of a nightmare from my understanding. They may just see like, oh yeah, okay, I have that, and they might accidentally trade and approve the incorrect contract, which usually has some sort of malicious code that then will, you know, usually probably do a wallet drain or something like that. So uh, this just seems like a a, a bit more sophisticated in uh execution of that idea that's insane yeah just the hmm. idea that like an errant click can just fuck up your whole day yeah if you're not paying attention you're selling the you're selling the wrong shadow the hedgehog bussy 100 or whatever <laughs> which which is like how shit there are some shit coins that are like steps uh, stuck stepsister yeah, or right. um yeah you know, Sonic, Harry Potter, Obama. <laughs> you know. the, uh, there was a Goatsy coin, wasn't there? Once upon a time? Uh, there's always been a Goatsy coin, man. I'm sure I've asked you that before on previous episodes, but like, it still blows my mind to this day that someone's like, yeah, you know that guy's really stretched out asshole? <laughs> we should put make that a coin. <laughs> there was a lot of Pepe coins, even before the one that's like it's on Binance right now. The There was a, a Pepe coin that was traded on eToro way way back in the day no one remembers eToro because they're gone now but yeah like shit's wild yeah. man and maybe there was a goatsy coin there i can't remember it was a very long time ago i would say it, probably from the beginning i'd imagine like anytime there's something like this it's it's you're probably going to get the hits you're going to get tub girl you're going to get goatsy you're going to get yeah you know, you're going to get a two girls one cup coin you know <laughs> like all that stuff what is that man doing to his blockchain is goatsy himself making any money off this if I remember correctly from our research, that that gentleman who was the original Goatsy guy did pass away. So uh, unfortunately, he is not uh, making any money on that. Yeah. Oh. I heard the one man one jar guy played at his funeral. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, uh, Corella, but but that guy, the one the one guy, one the one jar one guy guy, is on TikTok. <laughs> oh and the same tattoos and everything like you can it's it's definitely him never shows his face but he does like someone will post something and then he'll reply to it with a video of him laying down a towel putting a jar down and then it cuts <laughs> and like everybody who knows knows what that means it's truly wonderful <laughs> i'll have to send you that link because i cannot remember the the account name off the top of my head but like god almighty that sounds like a threat it does. It does. No, you're absolutely right. There are some videos where it's like you can't be possibly be the guy, and then he like 
<laughs> that familiar angle <laughs> of his ankles. <laughs> he should have used a uh, a ball pickling jar. That would have been much more sturdy. If he had to go back in time, I'm sure he he would have. And then we probably wouldn't even know who it was. Cause it's, so it's it's only abnormal because the jar broke. Yeah, otherwise, very normal thing. Very, yeah. very normal thing. <laughs> just like Mr. Hands. Like, if, he, if right. that horse had not uh, killed him, right. it, just would have been, it just would have been another weird stag film. I mean, you're not wrong. Even though, that, <laughs> I, I know you said that as a joke, but, like, it kind of feels right that, that yeah, that's, that's what would have happened. <laughs> Moving right along, we're going to get into our main topic this week, which is the reason, of course, we had Bittacarella on, because Bittacarella uh, spends a lot of time writing on Twitter and writing on the internet in general. And this here is spooky month. Of course, we're in the, the, the tail end of the month of October. It's time to get creepy and spooky and weird. And one of the creepiest and spookiest and weirdest things that I always loved about the internet was creepy pastas. Uh, for the uninitiated, creepy pastas are of course, short stories meant to be copied and pasted amongst other places. Usually they start in forums or, wherever, Reddit maybe, but they're user-generated paranormal stories meant to freak you out a little bit. Uh, of course, Creepypasta comes from Copypasta, which was uh, copy and paste, you know, just short stories or even just like riffs that people would go on and some of them would copy it and put it somewhere. Well, the Creepypasta phenomenon goes back, I want to say at least to 4chan. I can't think, maybe BBSs, maybe there was some something creepy written on a bulletin board service once upon a time, but I don't have a lot of records on those, so I can't be for sure. But a lot of the stuff that we think of as a creepypasta is stuff that originated from a forum or something. Like, the big one, obviously, everyone thinks of is maybe like Slenderman, which started as a Photoshop Friday competition on Something Awful in 2009, right? Or um, the, the Russian sleep experiment, which I still don't know the source of that one. Corella, what is a favorite of yours amongst the creepypasta genre, as it were? There are a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. If you go way back to the beginning when they were mostly like in forums, and I think a lot were coming from the X board of yes, 4chan okay. is, is where a lot came from. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them were very short and just to the point. They would often just describe like uh, not even a full story, just a weird, creepy incident or sometimes just describe a, a fictitious ritual that you're supposed to do from those uh i really enjoyed the holder series uh which um was or i should say like the first two or so were like oh it's kind of cool because it describes like a weird creepy ritual uh that doesn't really make much sense and doesn't really have much of a point so that kind of adds to the weirdness of it all and then they were like what if we just turned this into a snow clone and did like five thousand of them <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah well you get diminishing returns after a certain point i think a little later some of the more recent creepy pastas one that i think we all know candle cove from yes. uh, chris straub yes. that's uh oh that's a classic that's become uh that's really gone on like it's created it's entire uh, like there's a whole i think fan community dedicated to that one creepypasta right. as well as the fact that it became the basis for the first uh season of channel zero oh which is where i first really got a hold of it and then i went back and i read the 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 story that it's based on and i was like well the story it's based on is infinitely better uh just because of the way it's presented what I like about Straub, yes. what I like about yeah. Straub in particular, is that he didn't just create a story; he also created an entirely fictional online forum thread 
<laughs> that tells the story. And so uh, as a, <laughs> as a long time, something awful good, that little, little flame in my heart, it kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, these are the kind of things that, that forums or you know, 4chan's X-Board would tell each other and creep each other out. But in this one, the story is real, you know, kind of thing. And it's just, uh, I, I got to recommend if anyone ha- has and uh, just a vague interest in what a creepypasta is, definitely go read the original Candle Cove in its entirety because it's short, obviously, but it's also presented in a way because it's presented like a forum thread, it feels more real than if someone had just sat down and yeah. did prose, like straight prose. I think that's what the TV show thing lacked was a little bit of that artifice. Yeah, there's like it adds a little uh, uh, verisimilitude, yes. I think is the, the term. It really, yeah, and it's it's kind of a lot of creepypasta does kind of take the form of found footage stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the Gemini video series, uh, also from Chris Straub. I think he does local. 58 yes. i think is the name is of it his. yes man Oof, boy yeah yeah what a guy <laughs> uh, which are great those are amazing i will say that my favorite chris straub joint is uh i don't know that you can find it online anymore actually you can probably find it but the original source uh when he did icker falls mm. where he had a website that was the concept was there's a fictitious west virginia town where all these things were taking place mm. uh this was also where candle cove was originally posted but yeah. he had one called the hirsch camera uh, which, like, like Candle Cove, it's kind of presented that there's this. Um, you're not like just getting a story. It's like a segment from some found footage of a found document. In this case, it was like a brochure for a museum installation about this old timey camera that took fucked up photos. Mm. But uh, I think Chris Straub's, you know, real what really makes his creepypastas work so well is that he ha- is really good at just doing this very understated clinical sterile way of writing Mm -hmm. so everything's very understated and it kind of lets the horror hit by itself it doesn't try oh isn't this scary no it just lets the horror speak for itself which is kind of nice i like that i was going to say the thing about the hirsch camera since it's unknown it doesn't have a whole lot of stupid kids ruining it (laughs) these days oh yeah oh boy the wickification of uh, of all this stuff yeah it's just ridiculous yeah that is the worst thing because if you've read you know the back rooms i think is the worst offender for that because it's a very cool concept and it works really well as a very very short snippet or just even just flash fiction Mm -hmm. because like so much horror like i've said this before the natural form of horror i think is the short story because the longer you make something you start having to explain things which kind of kills the fear as well as the fact that just if you write a whole novel or a whole movie People get very attached to characters, and then if you have a bad ending, people kind of get you know pissy about it. But a short story, you have a little more freedom to like fuck things up more. But anyway, so these very short creepypastas, I think, are the best ones. And when you start adding to them, they eventually collapse under their own weight. Yeah, the the backrooms is the worst because children got interested in it, mm-hmm. and children you know what? The kids need horror, they need their entry points into horror, yeah. but they do this thing where they're like, oh, now on level 18 of the Brock rooms, you know, you can meet like a wizard. And he'll give you the <laughs> potion to increase your mana. And it's like, this is not a fucking video game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are good creepy pastas based on video games or that are video sure. game related or there's scary video games. But like turning everything into a video game is like. I'm sorry. Uh, go outside. Touch grass. It's well, yeah. children need to ride your bike or something. I don't know what. Do something else. Right. The kids need to get away from the screens. 
because even like Slenderman became a video game and it's like, wow, that kind of lost all uh, anything that was interesting about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm done now. Oh man. Slenderman is another one that like when it, it it's very cool, you know, that just the, the image of like a very tall guy in a suit, it kind of, you know, you look at it, it's like, there's something subtly wrong there. Maybe it's cause he's way too tall and has tentacles and doesn't have a face. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and they did a lot of good stuff with it because, like, a lot of the um, the photoshops are are pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. The Marble Hornets movie does a lot with a very low budget. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even show Slenderman to like the last like five minutes or something. Which is to its credit. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's there's so much, and I do like that about Creepypasta. I feel like it's it's really because it's short. It's just something you post online. A lot of times you're not like trying you're not trying to sell it to anyone. It is something that is allowed to be very experimental. Yeah. And sometimes get very weird. Yeah. The wikification kind of flies in the face of that. Well, exactly. So like the original backrooms, I can read the entire thing for you now. Here it is. In its entirety. You ready? Accompanying this is of course a, a photo. Uh, supposedly taken in the back rooms, it is a it's like kind of at a Dutch angle. There's a, a really boring kind of what you'd expect the default carpet to be like a very bland wallpaper, drop ceiling, fluorescent lights, some pillars. But it looks like this room could stretch out to infinity. And then the the post that accompanies it is as follows. If you're not careful and you no-clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms, where nothing but the stink of old moist carpet, the madness of mono-yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum hum-buzz, and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in. God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell has heard you. That shit still gives me chills. <laughs> I mean, it, it hits for you know a number of reasons. Like one is it's very easy to imagine that if you've ever gone to like a hotel yes. and like wandered you know into the uh, the areas like you, you know like the the rooms that are not in use or like even the the staff areas, mm. it looks like that right, a place you're not supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. And the idea and the creepy thing about it is yeah, the idea of being trapped in in that which you know an area that is it's infinite you can't get out and it's just by its nature it is just hostile to to human life like you could just wander till you're in that mm-hmm. they mention a monster being in there and and i'll forgive that because you know maybe something's in there maybe something else got trapped in there you never know mm-hmm. i don't think that is really the scary thing about it that there's monsters in it no there was a short film made about the back rooms yeah. that is pretty good it does have a monster but like i think the real draw is just it shows all it shows a lot of weird hostile architecture which i think is really what makes the back rooms kind of you know frightening that's kane parsons by the way that that youtuber really if you if you want to look him up there's some really great stuff where there's uh, pools where there shouldn't be or there's things where they're just kind of unusual came out of the liminal spaces thing. I feel like the backrooms also owes a lot to Kubrick's depiction of the Overlook Hotel in the film The mm, Shining. Yeah. The carpet patterns and all these things are like you're not supposed to be here and this kind of feeling of otherness in a normal place. Liminal spaces, of course, is a phrase that's been used to kind of describe something similar. An unsettling feeling that you get 
where there's something not right about something that's ordinary. And to me, that's, yes. I mean, that's basically what all horror boils down to is something ordinary that has become paranormal or become something else. And um, even, you know, going back to Chris Straub, a forums post is pretty ordinary, right? <laughs> but then, then it's like, yeah. oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Something else happened here. The liminal space thing, I think, again, that's why it works so good when it's short, because that's the thing is like, it's a sort of thing that is very creepy and very frightening, but like drawn out to a longer state. It's like being trapped there for a long time would be bad. But as a piece of fiction, you start just being like, okay, now I'm bored. Skinamarink, which is a great concept and was a great short film and a great trailer. Mm. And I certainly hope we see a lot more from Kyle Ball because he's got a, you know, a great style and ideas but not really something that works as a feature-length film yeah at least not in my my i hardly agree i it took me three different watches to complete skin of a rink and i i still felt like oh boy there's not enough meat here to stretch this out over a full-length movie brian did you see skin of a rink yeah in the falling asleep about two thirds <laughs> through and like woke up yeah, and yeah. asked my girlfriend if I had missed something and she's like, Yeah, like a kid got killed, but I don't I don't know if that maybe maybe that <laughs> I think she was also doing that off. is the kind of thing where that would happen. Like just what? Oh, uh, and you don't feel like you missed anything because it's long static shots of a door frame moving, kind of. And all of a sudden there's like a Oh, the door's gone. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. That's good, right? That's normal. You know, as as it does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so creamy pastas they work best when they're when they're small yeah, and they're for sure. they're. I feel like because they have been, I think now become kids entertainment. And like I said, I don't want to just be all like, oh, kids ruin everything. But it's just like. It's a different thing, like when you like when you look at like Slimy Swamp Ghost, who did uh, Siren Head, yeah, which is a great concept for a monster, and like a lot of his uh, photo work, you know, where with Siren Head is genuinely unsettling. And then the kids were like, "We like this. What if we made him floss?" And it's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure, why not?" Because even like Skibidi Toilet, even that's like, okay, um, a guy's face is in your toilet. That's weird and creepy. But then it's like, uh, and then and then he fights the camera guy. And then they're all Godzilla. Like, fuck you. Uh, everything is ruined. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I do think. Um, I mean, they put Siren Head in Fallout 4 for fuck's sake. Oh, did well, they? It was, it was a mod, but still, <laughs> well, uh, somebody modded it into the Whispering well, Hills. But yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. I was going to say, well, I hope they pl- paid sw- Slimy Swamp Ghost because that poor guy keeps getting uh, keeps getting shafted um, with by all the uh, Alibaba keeps making like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, versions of his characters. And it's uh, it was funny. One time I was uh, I used to work with um, kids during my day job. And one time one of them had cartoon cat like we were, uh, we were all on Zoom <laughs> talking and I saw the kid had cartoon cat. And I was like like a stuffed one. I said to Slimy Mom, she goes, hey, I saw a kid with your character. And he was like, yeah, that that's uh, that that's a bootleg. There's no authorized Ooh. cartoon. And I was like, oh, sorry. That sucks. That happens all the time. We had Casey Green on a while back. And yeah, he was really uh, kind of miffed about all the unauthorized question hounds that keep uh, popping up in places. And like, yeah, it sucks. Uh, he's He's really like... What can you do? I commend him for that because I would still be mad if it was B. I would be fuming. Yeah. 
but uh, I guess there's really once once it hits the internet, kind of hits the collective conscious. There's really not a lot you can do. I mean, to some degree, yeah. I mean, to some degree, you kind of. I mean, I guess internet culture, it's there to be remixed and respliced, and and things grow out of other things. So I can definitely see that, like, you know, if you create a pre pre and put it out there, it is like a form of. I hate when people say like, "Oh, a for- it's a modern form of modern folklore," because people usually talk about that shit with like superhero movies. Yeah. Um, and you know, I wouldn't say the creepypasta is necessarily a form of folklore, but it's it serves a lot of the same purposes. You know, it's kind of just weird stuff that gets passed around, and uh, eventually it kind of takes on a life of its own beyond the original author. You mentioned that, but yeah, Aeon Magazine, uh, Will Wiles did kind of draw the line there. Uh, he he referenced. Lovecraft, Lovecraft's definition of weird fiction, uh, Lovecraft's full quote is, a certain atmosphere of breathless and unexplainable dread of outer unknown forces must be present. Okay, check. There must be a hint Mm -hmm. expressed with a seriousness and portentousness becoming its subject of that most terrible conception of the human brain, Italians. No, a malign and particular <laughs> suspension of defeat of those fixed laws of nature, which are only safeguard against the assaults of chaos and the demons of unplumbed space, which kind of fits. You know what I mean? Like there's a yep. there's a creeping dread. There's this sense that like the normal is abnormal. It's kind of wonky, kind of clunky, but it kind of fits like the idea of weird fiction or supernatural horror it all kind of meshes with what these things are, you know, like, uh, Wiles again, creepypasta works best when the medium infects the message. So he's talking, of course, about Chris Straub using message boards. Um, you get the sense of the internet talking about itself. Since these stories are shared on forums, why not use the vernacular of the every user to tell your story? Yeah. Certain ways things are done formats, you know, um, he calls it a industrialized refinement of weird fiction, it's a networked effort to deliver dread in an as efficient way as possible with the minimum of extraneous matter. And I think that's a pretty well, I mean, it's <laughs> pretty well basically yeah, yeah. what it is. I mean, and the extraneous yeah, matter is a, the part that we're all going nuts about, about like wikis saying like, you know, level 55 has a, <laughs> has a robot that says hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's inevitable that like, I mean, the same way that like, folklore Mm. is you know will get twisted around and reinterpreted and changed depending on you know what what the audience particularly wants in a in a given setting i guess creepypasta the same way it's going to get denatured Mm. into something you know else um you know like if you look at you know the scp foundation yeah which is another one that like it's got some good ones on there because the whole concept is it's kind of like oh what if there's a big warehouse full of like weird shit right you know it's kind of like it was a sci-fi channel series it was basically the same premise warehouse, as 13. warehouse 13 yep, that was the one yeah. yeah yeah it's basically the same thing and you know scp it's like it's got some good ones in there it's also got a lot of shit because that's kind of what happens when you say yeah this is open up for anyone to write thing it's gonna be that way if you're not gonna gatekeep that's maybe that's not bad but it's 50 50 i can't fault the kids for trying something because yeah. everybody's got to start somewhere. And if you're interested in writing or creating fiction that's horror adjacent, okay, give me something at least yeah. close to this or whatever. But like, there's a certain amount of 
like I said, wickification that drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah. It, it takes the edge off. The conciseness that Lovecraft talks about and the fact that, the, you know, the, like you mentioned, uh, short stories are the best way to do it. Now that we've got 4,000 yeah. SCPs, the mystery and the fun's kind of gone, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's too much. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, but I do think that, like, yeah, creepypasta, it, it's interesting because there have been, you know, attempts to kind of bring it into something bigger, more tr in, into more traditional horror forms. Because, you know, there was like a Slenderman movie and there was like Channel Zero that took creepypastas and made them into some bigger. And, you know, I think, you know, mixed results. I think, you know, Channel Zero is as good as you're going to get with that sort of thing because it definitely, in, in some of the, some of the later uh, seasons, I think really leaned into stuff that is not necessarily, you know, scary, more just really fucking weird, you know, which kind of uh, arrives at the same at the same ultimate uh, conclusion by taking a different uh, track. Yeah, that's um, fair. <laughs> but you know, one of the funny things is, uh, you know, I've I've been in the horror community a little while, and um, it just seems funny to me that in general the horror people are are very very chill. You know, very chill and very normal. Whereas creepypasta people are all certifiably insane. <laughs> uh, there's so much fucking drama in, among the creepypasta people. It's so weird. There was a very funny thing for a little while, or one of them. I won't mention his name, mm -hmm. but some creepypasta guy like got really mad at me for like mentioning him in Midnight Pals. Oh no! And oh, no. Uh, did a series of videos where he was trying. It was is it was like I I was the videos basically. Uh, I watched them and I was like, oh, no, this guy is unwell. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, that's not, this isn't funny anymore. Because, you know, I was kind of goofing on him in the same way that I you know, I've, I goof on a lot of people. Yeah. And most people, like, take it in stride. They're like, you know, they're very good sports about it because it's obviously just, you know, goofing around. And this guy was like, this is a conspiracy against me. Oh, no. And I guess there were some other creepypasta people that he had beefs with. So he was trying to prove that I was like a sock puppet of this other person oh, that he had a beef with. It got very red thread on the wall type thing, you know, red yarn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, uh, I stopped poking at him because everything I did just made him attack the other person that he was already mad at who wasn't doing anything. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should probably not, not like poke this hornet's yeah. nest. Plus, you know, it's it's just not good sportsmanship when to attack mentally unwell people. I think so. So, um, but anyway, creepypasta, very odd community. Yes. But I guess it does. You know, it's the internet, so that's what you get. Yes. So this is about the part of the show where we show people gross pictures. Oh, it's my favorite part of the show. It's called Shock.jpg. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Shock.jpg. Corella, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Well, I guess we will have to imagine. We'll have to use the no, no, no. boundless. Uh, oh, you found it. Thankfully, the Internet Archive uh, came to the rescue on this one. Um, this one oh. is. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Brian got it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Oh. <laughs> Brian got it. It's even more upsetting a second time around. It really is. Uh <laughs> I can, well, here's the thing is, is like. Before it was upsetting because it was being projected on the wall in the chalet, but I'm, yeah. I'm recording remotely <laughs> tonight, and now I can see some detail that didn't necessarily translate on the wall projection when it's now here on my my uh, my desktop monitor. And there's just like there's some there's some moistness to the yeah 
yeah. Jason, first of all, you should describe what this is. I should. Uh, so according to the Screamer Wiki, of course, this is known as Screamer Cactus. That is an unofficial name. It is a French shock site created by a French forum user, Pajama Sam, first mentioned April 2012 on a French off-topic forum, Blah Blah 18 to 25 ans, which my limited French tells me it means blah blah 18 to 25 years meaning that you have to be 18 to 25 to be in that forum the picture is of a man with a cactus inside his anus and then this this is the exact phrasing from the screamer wiki with a very small amount of sperm about to come out of his penis (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the very specific language they have uh, and the original version of this site did come with an extremely loud version of a song by Stupaflip called The Cadillac Theory. I don't know if either of you are familiar with this song. All right, let's hear the song. It's very French. It's a... Yeah, okay. <laughs> A French like onyx song, like, <laughs> like I, I think these guys uh, had something come out on the Anacon. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> like... well, you had me. I could have. <laughs> you could have just rolled with it because I don't know. Sure, Moana. I guess this is like the French like Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the French Jurassic Five. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, so so that image with that song in the background, um, still still again not sure what Cadillac has to do with uh, uh, someone with a a cactus in their rectum. Um, I gotta say, I think it's just like a loud and aggressive song. But yeah, it's. I mean, Cadillac sounds kind of like cactus. Uh, okay. Kinda, okay. You know. Okay. A little okay. maybe. Oh, maybe in French. Yeah. It, the the index on the site there does say caca, so I'm guessing that's part of, of part of the song. Um, that's a vulgar image. Hairless. There's some. There's some goosebumps here on the the underside of the thigh. Oh yeah, I'm no. Yeah, I'm noticing yeah. this. Yeah, juicy. Uh, that that nut sack looks like a dragon fruit. <laughs> I'm assuming. I mean, uh, that this person is enjoying themselves because there are goosebumps. Like you, like you said, the uh, the dick has pre cum on it, mm-hmm. indicating you know that they're uh now the dick is not particularly hard it looks kind of flaccid mm-hmm. so you know there's some ambiguity there right the ball sack is very contracted though yeah high and tight <laughs> yeah so in a state of arousal you know the sack will could do that so i'm assuming this person is enjoying themselves the fact that they decided to put a cactus up their ass i assume was done for pleasure i don't know why else you would do it one would hope um, one would hope I would hope. Yeah. I mean, my worry is now I want to do it myself. Life's out for the weekend. I'm putting the cactus up my ass. Yeah. Yeah. The, the <laughs> wife's away. The cat will play. <laughs> Pulling the cactus out is the, is the problem. Ooh. How, why does my cactus smell like shit? <laughs> I don't know. The cat was fucking with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor kid was over here. What, what is impressive though, is how incredibly smooth this fellow is. Yeah. Because, You'll notice not a single hair on that scrotum, mm-hmm. and if you look to the top, you you get a very uh, little sliver of crotch right above the dick, mm-hmm. and there's no hair up there either. So this this person, oh, actually the ass has no hair either. Right. So this is an incredibly smooth person. And you got to also note no razor burn. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you'd think yeah. with a shave that close, you'd have some. And I mean, also, this is, I, I feel like, very unusual for the French because what I've learned, what I've heard about them mm-hmm. is they tend to be a hairy people. You know, they don't uh, they do not do much shaving. 
That's a good point. Now, this was posted on a French forum. That does not necessarily mean that the image came from someone who is themselves French, though. See, that's the real that's the real sticky wicket because we really don't know where the actual or origins of the image are. We just know that that's oh, where it was posted. Actually, so I just realized another thing. This this dick is cut. Yes, which also may indicate not French origins because. I know that circumcision was not fairly common in France until recently. I don't know if that's changed, but um, I'm assuming probably not a whole lot of people there doing it. We, if there are any French listeners, they can chime in and tell me if I'm wrong or not. I had to look this up just because you said it. Uh, apparently, according to the University of Sydney, Australia, no idea why they decided to research this, but the prevalence of circumcision varies wildly in Western countries. France, 14%. Wow. Okay. So in all likelihood, this is not a Frenchman, mm -hmm. which is kind of disappointing because the idea of this being a French person was very <laughs> funny to me. You know, just the idea like, ah, oh, I laugh when one is born astride a cactus, you know, <laughs> just, just lowering us on a cactus. Oh, uh, oh quite the predicament. Ha, ha, you got, uh, I got to see Kenneth Branagh do this in one of his movies, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Puro is Belgian. I have to make that distinction. But uh, the way the way Br that's basically French. Light. I was going to say the way Branagh plays him, he's basically a Frenchman. Just imagine someone out of frame wearing like the striped shirt and the beret. Yeah. Eating a a, uh, a clove of garlic I'm, or whatever they eat in France. I don't know. <laughs> Sauce American giant baguette under his arm being like this one next yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this baguette is a uh, is a rib for my pleasure <laughs> the spicy baguette is what they call the cactus yeah <laughs> the spicy, the spicy baguette. Oh, what a terrible image. i know that that uh, <sighs> beloved french character the spicy baguette yes <laughs> It's the, the baguette, can, the baguette pervert. Yeah. yeah, you know the baguette pervert. It's like that is a, a beloved, beloved character of, of France, more so than Tintin or Asterix. Oh yeah, the the, the baguette, baguette pervert. Yeah, he he uh, he brings bread to the bunga bunga parties. Yes, at the yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Although you have Alice to remember that because it's France. By French law, you have to say it in French. It would be le baguette pervert. Or le pervert baguette. Le pervert du baguette. baguette. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, I have a cousin with a master's in French history. I could ask her. Oh, please. Yeah, ask her about the baguette pervert. The cousin who uh, lives like two blocks away from me, but I haven't spoken with, spoken to uh, since before the pandemic. Oh, Lord. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, I know we don't talk because like there's a seething <laughs> hatred going on here, but what would be the, how would a Frenchman say the baguette pervert? <laughs> well, my four years of high school French, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go with Corella here and say uh, le pervert de baguette. <laughs> 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 I uh yeah I <laughs> France's greatest cultural contribution man uh you know in France you know that they uh they they eat uh french fries or as they call them fries right uh Palm frites. with a oh. uh yeah wow. with a tiny like that. plastic fork mm -hmm. there's a special plastic little fork that's only for eating french fries so you go to like you know go go to what we, they would call an imbus and you would say, un pomfrits 
civu play. Right. They give you a little 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 paper dish mm-hmm. with the French fries uh, and covered in mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Not like American mayonnaise. No. It's like a it's it's almost like a tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. And there's a little little plastic fork that you use to eat the French fries. You don't use your fingers like in America. So uh, it's a whole new grid. It's fascinating culture. <laughs> fascinating culture, France. You know, we could learn so much. We could learn so much from them. You know, um, they're so far ahead of us in, in, you know, baguettes and perversion and Islamophobia. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, they love Islamophobia. I forget. Are they? Are they? Uh, are they a fascist country now, or did they? Did they go they're for like, the? They're like a progressive fascist country because, like. They ban hijabs and I think some other elements of most Islamic faiths, but also like the firemen will set themselves on fire and fight the cops in the middle of the street <laughs> uh, over like gas tax. So you try to take their pay down by 10 cents and the French will be like strapping to themselves and be like, come and get it, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean that's yeah, pretty cool. Um, uh, you got to stand that. Yeah, uh, I actually a a photographer who also documented Ferguson. He was in France when like the yellow vest riots were happening. Hell yeah! Like he was visiting mm-hmm. with his family, and he was like, "This is really, this is a little too much." Like he's like, "I just can't <laughs> get away from this shit." Yeah, it was. I think there was also like still some Ferguson stuff going on when he was visiting France. So like he like walked past a newspaper stand. There was like there was like a photo from something in St. Louis City or in the Ferguson area. And he's like, I really just can't fucking escape this thing. Right. But uh, yeah, but like the French will just riot over anything. It's makes you wonder what would happen here in this country if we like work together collectively on anything (laughs) other than like, uh, I don't know, thinking that vaccines weren't real or um uh nobody wants to work yeah i'll get some old country motherfuckers coming into my day job and they'll just start going on about something about no one wants to work these days and it's like my dude like you just like told me about how like you like worked with your hands your whole entire life and that you've got like a cabin down by the lake in the Ozarks and all this stuff. And you, I've only been talking to you for five minutes. <laughs> I, I'm going to work all the rest of my life with my hands. So guess what? I ain't going to have shit. Right. Yep. You know, it's sad. That's why no one wants to work. Right. Cause yeah. Ain't nothing seems yeah. to come from it in the words of Tom Petty. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. Drives you nuts. I mean, same thing. My old job, people would come in and, and you know, they tell you their whole life story as soon as they come in because they're lonely everyone in america is lonely and has no friends so they're like i'm gonna go find a service uh you know a, a retail service person who by law has to listen to me and nod and smile at anything i say and so they come in and they they think oh we're friends now i can tell you anything and they will tell you anything oh yeah they'll come in and be like oh you know my my kids don't talk to me anymore my wife just died and and it's like oh i'm sorry sir and it'll be like, oh, and also, you know, you know, the Jews control the media. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's nice. I got one woman came in and she was just well, she was going on about like, oh, you know, she she was going on about birth certificate crap. You know, like th- that was a big one for a while. We had a lot of birth 
certificate people coming in. And uh, she would tell me about like, you know, Obama's actually from Kenya and like his wife is a man. She's pretending to be a woman because they kidnapped these children that are not real. <laughs> yeah. You know, this was this was a few years ago when Obama was still in the news. And um, and then at the end, she's like, OK, and this is my credit card. I'm going to use to pay. It says Queen uh, of Sheba on it. That's not my real name. But like you can call up the credit card company and they'll give you a credit card with whatever name you tell them on. It doesn't have to be your real name. And I was just like, ma'am, I, I, I think this is actually pretty illegal. I don't, I don't think this is right. You know, no, it's totally fine. You can do it. You can do it too. You know, you can have any name you want in your credit card. Just just call up and do it. And I'm just like, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I really don't think this is a good idea. But um, anyway, so she's the Queen of Shiva. Okay. You know, there's also uh, I don't know if this is related, but I will say this. The most insane people that ever came into my my job and talked to me for hours, they were all limousine drivers. That that's a thing. <laughs> oh, hold on, what? <laughs> I have met one limousine driver or one man who made it known to me that he was a limousine driver, and I was working at Guitar Center. I think the first time I worked for Guitar Center, so this was in two thousand four, two thousand five. And he kept bringing up about how one time he drove uh, Harrison Ford to the airport. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he just kept talking, like, oh, it was just so cool. You know, I, I got to drive, like, the, well, I was like, well, you like talking. Like, oh, I didn't really want to be bothered, but uh, uh, I did get a, a photo with him. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. Like, that's kind of neat. You get to meet, like, a big movie star. You drive him to the airport. And he's like, actually, yeah, hold on a second. He goes out to, I guess the limo is parked in the lot. <laughs> and had, like, a fucking 8 by 11 of him and Harrison Ford standing outside of a limo. So you just walk around with a photo of you and Harrison Ford. And not just like, not like a pocket size. No. Like something you can no. put in your wallet or like, high, you know, uh, under the <laughs> visor or no. something like, like this is something that's supposed to be framed. Unless you're doing like reconnaissance on like your political enemies, like this is this is a cumbersome uh, a document here, an image, printed image to be just. I was like, wow, this is an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is something about driving a limousine. I feel that like kind of drives you insane eventually. I worked a job about a little over ten years ago at this hippy dippy place that sold buddhist and even a couple jainist pieces if you could believe it like hindu buddhist some of the Taoists. like i I, i'm not so good at Taoism, but like they're they're patriarchs they're um they're like intellectual masters for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term there's a better word but i don't remember it but always without fail if the weather was terrible if i was like working like an evening shift and it was like freezing ice like no one's driving no one's walking some guy who's like six foot five wearing shorts and probably weighs at least 300 pounds is going to walk through the door and talk to me about like plant X. Oh, hell yeah. Nibiru. Oh, and I'm just like thinking like, I hate that I had to just like drive 30 minutes in an ice storm to like work a minimum wage job where like no one's going to buy anything. No, no one's nothing's (laughs) going to happen. No, like I'm just going to be sitting here oiling like wooden statues so they don't crack and like just some dude who is too big for me to physically push out of the store is going to come in and just be like uh yeah so you know um who actually killed jfk was the shakers (laughs) the shakers the shake really oh mike and then you're like okay now i gotta hear this well then you're like well this is even like a good conspiracy theory like this is still bad 
I'm so glad I don't work like retail anymore because I don't really, I don't think I have that patience anymore for just people coming in and being like, I can't even remember. I, I'm just kind of blocked out. Just like <laughs> people just come in and say the dumbest shit, the weirdest shit, like yeah. how you described, like, because they think they have you. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm buying this this four dollar pack of nog champa therefore you have to listen to me uh talk about the one time i i got to uh see the, the dalai lama speak at radio city music hall and i'm just kind of like sitting there thinking like i kind of think the dalai lama is a little bit of a fascist but i don't know if I <laughs> definitely not one yeah. you want to bring up yeah that's definitely one where you go yeah. uh well, i mean the guy the, the guy who owned the business was such a piece of work that people from like the local buddhist and zen community would come in and buy certain ceremonial items and we were one of the few people in st louis where you could get them and i guess the places they weren't owned by this guy who was pissed off everyone in the religious community for years they would come in they would buy stuff and I'd be like oh hey aren't you a part of you know this singa or whatever you know you help you the st louis zen center or whatever and they're like yeah uh don't tell the owner of the business i was here and i'm like oh, oh you're you're cool because i hate him too and they would just be like tight yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. i think the craziest thing i ever got at a, at a place where i worked is i worked at the casino so i worked at one of these oh, i thought you were going to talk about the time you got your ass beat at the bank oh you know what I, I, <laughs> it, tomorrow so a, a scheduled post for tomorrow on the on my sub stack i do mention uh my my ass beating when i worked at a bank but uh no, this was this is how do you get your ass beat at a bank? <clears throat> All right, I guess I'll tell the story again. <laughs> some some guy asked if he could be his friend and he said, Yeah, sure. And apparently friendship to this man is getting the shit knocked out of you. Yeah, so the the, the <laughs> full story is that this guy was a vet, he was off his meds, and he mm. thought I had shortchanged him a day or two before. And so he comes in, mm. tries to start a new transaction. I asked for his ID. He starts opening his wallet and he goes, hey, you want to be my friend? He puts his hand out and me, you know, being a gullible white guy is like, sure. You know, like, hey, yeah, sure. I'm going to shake your hand, be your friend. To do so, he then grabs my hand, pulls me over the counter and starts wailing on me. Oh, geez. I don't know how long, I don't know how long this actually went on, but I mean, it felt like forever. And eventually I like wriggle free of his grasp, hit the back of my head on the floor. He books it out of there. When the cops come to get him later, he's sitting in his apartment or his house or whatever. He's sitting on his couch and he just kind of puts his hands up. And is like, yeah, I know why you're here. And, and they take him in. <laughs> it's the most it's the most surreal thing. And, and I spent, you know, like, OK, you got to take you to the ER, make sure you don't have a concussion and all this. stuff. And then I got moved to a different branch. But I like went back to work like the next day. It was <laughs> just really bizarre. Yeah, that's that's how you know. You're a simp for capitalism. Yeah. You got your ass yeah. beat, but you're like, you know what? They really need me. Yeah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> kind of. The other one was I, I'm working in a casino, and this was really bizarre because, you know, we were working overnights at a casino, and Missouri used to have this. They used to have a, what was called a loss limit. So you could not spend mm -hmm. more than $500 in a two-hour period in a Missouri casino. And it was tracked via mm -hmm. these rewards cards, which doubled as our customer appreciation shit. So you'd get comps or whatever based on whatever you put in. These mm -hmm. guys would come in at 1 o'clock in the morning, clearly right after the bars had closed, and they'd want a card and they because they have to have one to get in the casino because the casino served drinks till 2.30, so they could get an extra hour and a half of drinking it. They would come up to me... With these IDs and just like, okay, I need a card. 
But some of them got belligerent and some of them got ridiculous. And one of them, though, was really, really into the idea that he was a black Israelite. And so he was <laughs> and so he was telling me all about how, you know, you're not white. I was like, OK, go on. Uh, you know, like, well, you're actually descended from the star seeds, and that's that's who we are. And he says to himself, like, running his fingers down his own face, "That's who we are. You're uh, you're one of the impure ones." And I'm like, okay, do you, what's uh, what's the spelling on your last name? Can I get? <laughs> I don't I don't give a shit about it. Like, okay, yeah, sure, man. And I saw him a couple days later. Same thing. You know, you guys are. It's like, yeah, I've heard it, man. Come on. Uh, same guy, yeah. same guy came in like three days straight. It was like, I've heard it. Come on, let's go. T- tried to hand me a pamphlet you know, about like mm-hmm. oh, hell, the hotel somehow like they're gonna meet up. And I'm like, this is I'm fine. I don't need this. I'm I'm all right. Thank you. That's interesting. Like I've never heard someone do like the hotel, hotel like black Israelite and the star seed thing at the same time. Yeah, like, that's a new, yeah. That's a new spin. That's on. a new combo. Yeah, because um yeah, and that was twenty years ago. Black, so I mean, you know, yeah. Well, the black Israelites used to hang out in the Del Mar Loop, which is like this very hip part of town. And friend of the show, Danny, when he used to work in the Del Mar Loop, he had to like pass them to get to his car a lot of oh, time. Boy. <laughs> and he's like a nice, like little Jewish kid. And he's just like always just trying to not interact with them. But they were like also like live streaming. So it was like also like this really fringe religious belief with also some really intense anger and energy and it was also a live stream like youtube prank show of just like freaking out people Ooh. on the Delmar loop just, <laughs> just being like yeah uh, jesus was black and you know so was uh captain crunch you know, just all the- <laughs> i don't know I, I once had like an israelite ask me if i knew my li- a black israelite asked me if i knew my lineage i'm like yeah, yeah it's like mostly irish it's like oh so you know where you came from I'm like yeah it's not that great yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like i know the, i know the point you're making but like but it's like yeah like i just like thinking to myself like yeah on my dad's side of the family i'm descended from like one of the city founders of sacramento and he enslaved the natives so yeah so not I'm great like yeah you know like <laughs> like it's i would rather have not known that right <laughs> like i'm like i understand what you are talking about but i'm saying like sometimes knowing ain't that great either <laughs> yes and, and to answer your actually, question um, yes john sutter yes that's the <laughs> yeah 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 if you take a portrait of john sutter and you take the sleeves off of whatever regalia he's wearing and put Milwaukee's best in his hand. <laughs> <my father. laughs> and, and Jason, you've worked with, my I did. Dad, yeah. So yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Oh man. <laughs> I have that image now in my mind. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh boy. I actually, uh, I interviewed, um, one of those star child people once Okay. for a, uh, so, so, so very, very, just to make it briefly, uh, I was, I used to work as a freelance, you know, reporter and I got sent to interview this guy who was a, a real big in the star child community. He was a uh, disgraced psychologist who fucked all his patients. So, all right, and then, all right. you know, yeah, yeah. And then got into being a star, star child shit. Anyway, I called him up, right? And uh, he's all like, you know, the government's after me. Every, I, I got to be careful because, like, um, you know, people are trying to kill me. There are all these assassins out to get me. Right. And I was like, yeah, can, can I come over? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. Here's my address. <laughs> Random person who just called me on the phone. Uh, I show up, right? And I'm talking to this guy. And, you know, he's just going on and on. And eventually I, I was all like, hey, how do you know if someone's a star child? And he tells me, I got a foolproof way to know. I got a foolproof 
wait, do you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, I want to see it. He's like, all right, you wait here. I'll get the device. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. Okay. And like he leaves. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Here we go. He comes back with a fucking divining rod. <laughs> and I was like, this is, and I was just so mad. I, I thought like, oh, you're going to bring in the fucking, I don't know, like, you know. The E-meter or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's like a divining rod. Ugh. So anyway, big disappointment. He's all like, you know, he's like, okay, go stand by that big screen TV. And I'll tell you if your electromagnetic aura sets off the divining rod. And it's like, you sure you want me by the big? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, according to this guy, like, yeah, I'm Star Child. So. Hell yeah. Never had a Star Child on the show before. So that's new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is about time of the show where we talk about uh, stuff we've been watching, things that we've been uh, catching up on, comics, books, whatever it is that uh, grabs your attention. Of course, it's everyone's mom and girlfriend's favorite part of the show. Of course, it's the breath. It's time for your mom's favorite part of the show. It's time for the breath mint. <laughs> ah, the breath mints. Because, you know, we looked at cactuses and asses. We've talked about uh, nasty, creepy pastas. Let's let's take it down a little bit. It's breath mint time. And breath mint usually means that our guest gets to go first. So, Corella, what's been on your plate as far as, like, stuff you consumed and things that you're enjoying? Sure. So, um, I am uh, just currently uh, house-sitting for some friends. So, mm -hmm. I just... I uh, was going through their library, see what they have. Um, I just read The Last Halloween by Abby Howard, which is a, a fun Halloween story in the kind of a Honan Vasquez vein. Uh, <laughs> previously, I, I had read her Crossroads at Midnight, which is all about what if what if you met a squishy ghost. And that includes a story about like, oh, I found a mattress on the street and I'm going to sleep on this old mattress and I'm going to be <laughs> possessed by the ghost that is apparently the spiritual manifestation of ringworm is it squishy yes it is oh boy. anyway yeah. um but it's a fun it's a fun one and after that i just read beast of burden by evan dorkin uh the milk and cheese man himself yeah yeah and this is about what if what if it was ghostbusters but instead of the ghostbusters they were all dogs they were all dogs <laughs> um so it's not furry you'd think it'd be furry it sounds yeah, furry I was but i mean like, real dogs like, what if people were like, ah, you know, you're walking around and your dog is like, there's ghosts. Go, go to bark at the ghosts. Which they kind of do in real life. <laughs> think about it. It's fun. It's a good it's uh, it's definitely it's a nice little twist on your usual on the standard supernatural mystery. So okay, yeah, um, right. I'm, I enjoyed it a lot. OK, that's uh, Jill Thompson, by the way, doing the art. Uh, really like her work. Anything I've seen of hers. Brian, how about yourself? What you been up to? Girlfriend and I, we. uh finally did it we saw all of the saw movies we, we went to see saw x saw 10 over the weekend and while that was that was you can most certainly say it was a movie <laughs> it, it's very weird like it's still got some of the cheese yeah um but it's kind of got like a more of an a24 like cinematography and general uh like production quality tobias the guy who plays john kramer that dude just looks like he wants to go take a nap <laughs> he looks like he is just like all right how many takes <laughs> you need me to do it again i think all of the saw movies hinge on the element of they don't want you to think too much about what's going on mm -hmm. because the plot of the film is that john kramer 
Um, he gets diagnosed with this this terrible, vague, basically uh, inoperable, fatal cancer, and he goes to a cancer, you know, like talk group, like a grief group, and there's a guy there that talks about his cancer and how rough it is, and at some point in the near future, John runs into him at like an outdoor coffee shop, and the guy and John's like, "Wow, you look like you're." Wow, you look like you're doing really, really good <laughs> yeah. for yourself. Thank you. The yeah. Guy's like, yeah, actually, I found this this experimental treatment. You know, it's a it's a surgery, and then there's like a, a cocktail that they put you on that that is, is experimental, but uh, it really works. And he like lifts up his shirt because he had like pancreatic or bowel cancer or something like that. So he's got this gnarly scar across his stomach. He's like, that's my war wound, and. He's like, uh, you know, if you want to check this out, you know, I haven't been in contact with these folks in a while. They tend to move around because of the the, the greedy insurance companies like making <laughs> making life hard for them. He goes and he he goes to this website and you know it's this this like Norwegian doctor who's been forced into hiding because of his, his experimental cancer treatment. It's too good and so right. yeah. uh, his daughter his daughter is now like holding the holding the flame, holding the light for it. And he gets in contact with this lady. He goes like Mexico and he has this, what he thinks is this very successful surgery. And, and then he's told to drink like this cocktail uh, for like five or six days. And he goes back to the house or to the state where it happens. And he's like, you know, there's, he's not supposed to know where it's at. Cause he's been black bagged and all that, but he was able to look at the, the like mountains and hills. And he was able to figure out where he was in relation to things by looking at the skyline. Okay. And that's actually kind of a neat little bit of detective work he does there. But, uh, you know, he's scammed. And, uh, of course, all these people just scammed him. Don't get the fuck out of Mexico. Right. Like, yeah. I figured if you pull like a scam a guy for like a, a quarter of a mil that you would fucking bounce. Yep. But then he like goes through and tortures everyone. Right. It's just kind of weird because it's just like here's like a rich, wealthy white architect who's also a serial killer um, who just goes to Mexico for experimental surgery. Right. Realizes he's been scammed. And his means of vengeance is that just also torturing like one Norwegian white woman, but then also a bunch of Mexican people. <laughs> and one of the traps, the, the, a, a mild spoiler here. So if you don't want to listen, you don't want to hear this mild spoiler for mm-hmm. the, the, the seminal film uh, Saw 10. Skip ahead like a minute or two. Mm-hmm. One of the traps involves waterboarding a, a small child with blood. Did the, the child scam him too? No, the, the child is innocent. Oh boy! Wow, John Kramer sounds kind of problematic. Yeah, yeah. And then after and after the whole thing is, there is the Norwegian woman and her accomplice, who's a British man, think that they got one over on John Kramer, Amanda, and this little Mexican boy, and so they put the little boy and John Kramer in what was supposed to be the final trap. And basically they both have a switch where they they're, they're laying down and they warboard each other with blood and the Norwegian woman and her accomplice go into like the office in this uh, industrial building and they find the money and the money, of course, when she grabs it is attached to a, t- a wire and it re- releases. And of course now, now the 10 minute timer starts and they, mm-hmm. they're, getting locked in and so the whole entire ruse 
was that John Kramer let a child get waterboarded with blood so he could trick a Norwegian scammer and her accomplice into locking themselves into a room that was then going to slowly fill up with a skin-eating uh, gas of some sort. <laughs> God damn. Just, God damn. Like, it's like, could you have done that without waterboarding a child? <laughs> John Kramer, yeah. was that? Looking into this John Kramer fella, uh, the more I learn about him, it, it, it sounds like a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, you ask him, and he's like, oh, actually, if I had to, I have to redo the weights and, and you know, <laughs> the physics of it would change. And I'm like, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and like also when he like unwrap, when the kid gets re- released from the waterboarding trap, the bloodboarding trap, um, he tells the kid, you're a warrior now. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, another spoiler warning. Cause I have to ask, I have to ask this. I saw it in the teaser. I, I, I want to believe this is true. Is Hoffman back? Hoffman is back for the yes! or for the, the post credit scene. Yes. So, I'm sorry. I love I love Hoffman. He's such a shithead. <laughs> Hoffman is back and he's helping Jigsaw string up the the guy from the coffee shop that told him about the the experimental treatment. Okay. And Hoffman is 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 get, putting them together and he's got some. Tr- the the man's got some contraption around his chest that like you don't really get a good look at but it's implied that it's just going to like pull up his guts oh boy i, I couldn't mm. you, you can't really get a good look at it but the man who's playing hoffman is like oh, of all the people you decide to scam you scam you fuck with john kramer <laughs> in this little after credit scene the actor who plays detective hoffman does more acting in this post credit scene than he does in like the two movies where he is the protagonist. I was going to say, yeah, like <laughs> he's like chewing the fucking scenery and like he does not do that at all in like the two, three movies where he is the actual bad guy. <laughs> yeah, Costas Mandalore, by the way, is the guy's actual name. <laughs> I cannot, I still cannot believe that that's the guy's actual fucking name. But yeah, Costas Mandalore. <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars ass name. <laughs> uh, but I love him as Hoffman. I love Hoffman. I love he's back. And uh, Shawnee Smith, uh, she's Amanda. She's back as well. Yeah, and she is still. It's 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 probably more arresting that Tobias Bell is the age that he is playing Jigsaw John Kramer. And what I think is supposed to be between movies two and three in the mm-hmm. timeline is the actress who plays Amanda trying to wear like an early like key holder at a like hot topic, early aughts, like young ladies haircut, <laughs> like also 20 years the on. The same haircut from Saw 2. Yeah. The real <laughs> spiky. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, now it's just more kind of like a flat bob, okay, but it still okay. looks like a hot topic key holder. <laughs> um, it's 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 pretty wild. That was that was an interesting movie. It, the gore is really good. Mm-hmm. The acting isn't necessarily terrible. It's just like the it's just always with these movies like the script has always got some sort of cancer on it that just doesn't allow it to really work like how I think it's supposed to. I felt that um, way since like three. There's just been a, yeah. a real noticeable, because you know the Saw movies have, have always been about 
this perceived idea that Kramer is like fighting some injustice, but like the more, the longer it goes on, it's like, it's, you're just being a dickhead, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you have bad vibes or just generally uncomfortable to be around. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and as old as fucking Tobin Bell looks now, Jesus wept. I mean, it's been. But was this the thing? He was not, he wasn't young in the first no. couple of Saw movies. And, and which, and there's that one Saw movie. I think it's, I think it might be Saw, uh, the Saw 3D where they, they have him try to look young, but they couldn't figure <laughs> out any other way to do it. So they put him in a backwards baseball cap. Straight out of 30 Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Buscemi with the backwards cap. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So for the Breath Mint this week, uh, you guys, I have been enjoying quite a bit the show that AMC put on for three seasons. Kind of a miracle they did it that long. It was called Into the Badlands. Are either of you familiar with this one? I am not. Mm, I am not. So it is, in essence, a post-apocalyptic show about kung fu warriors called Clippers who keep order in the Badlands. So the Badlands is this kind of nebulously defined area. Later on in the series, we kind of get the idea that it's like the Midwest. And then there's all these these barons of all their little fiefdoms, and they're producing uh, poppy seeds and all this stuff. And, and uh, boy, it's, it's a lot of palace intrigue. It's a lot of really gory kung fu fights with swords and, and all. I mean, you, you think of your average, like, uh, post-Matrix wuxia film, and you put that into a TV show scope with a little bit of Game of Thrones palace intrigue thrown in there, and you pretty much got into the Badlands. It's a hoot. I enjoy it quite a bit. It's got everything you want. It's got a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, Donnie Yu, who's the main character there. Uh, Second season, he links up with Nick Frost, uh, from the, the <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, all those uh, Edgar Wright movies. Um, and what's really great is that Nick Frost, you know, he's a big guy, but he's also a former Kung Fu master. And so he kind of it's this big guy who moves with grace. And that's kind of neat to see because you don't really see that in a lot of TV shows or movies these days. I mean, even Samo Hung back in the day, you know, you'd see him uh, kicking ass, but you don't see that as much now. So that's kind of neat. Um, I, I just really like the look of it, too. There's just some some great picturesque vistas of poppy seeds and these uh, big plantations that have been turned into these uh, houses for these barons and just kind of a, a grim color palette. You got this, this great cast of really game actors who are also fairly decent at martial arts, at least on film, you know, and uh, just boy, what a hoot. Um, it ran for three seasons. I'm in the middle of the second one now and oh boy, it's a good time. Uh, if you can find it, because I Lord only knows where the hell it's streaming now. I'm assuming it's going to be, it was on Netflix for a while. I'm assuming it's going to be coming to Max next, but who the hell knows? But uh, just, boy, what a show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Warrior was the other one that kind of came to mind. If either of you have seen this one, Max has that one. Warrior? No, I'm, I'm right. not familiar with that. So it, it very much in that same kind of like, He's a guy and he's going to a place and he's he's fighting a bunch of guys. And it's just it's an excuse to have, uh, you know, 45 minute episodes of of palace intrigue and and kung fu fights. It's great stuff. Silly, but it takes itself 100 percent seriously. And I think that's what sells it. (laughs) It's like 
there's no there's no winking you know because some you can see how that would happen <laughs> you know some of these shows where they're like isn't it funny how we're doing kung fu wink wink but no this is just they just <laughs> they just sell it it's really superb so i i highly recommend that as well well, this is part of the show where we tell people where to find us online. Uh, Corella, since you are our guest, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us where they can find you? Sure. You can find me wherever uh, fine posts are made on the Internet <laughs> under the name Bitter Corella uh, on Blue Sky, Tumblr, Patreon, Substack, Mastodon uh, for some reason. <laughs> uh, also, <laughs> uh, and possibly at some point again on Twitter, we'll see. Um, you can also find, uh, more of my work at midnight pals, which is on midnight underscore pals on Twitter, midnight pals with no underscore on blue sky. And, um, uh, or just go to www.midnightpals.com. It's easy enough right there. Yeah. They'll also check out the new podcast about Midnight Pals, which also you can find on uh, Spotify, Anchor, thing. I don't know, wherever <laughs> podcasts are. It's Midnight Pals. Look it up. Google it. And on Sunday of this week, we're going to be doing a special stream along. Uh, I, I may have mentioned before that I'm in Midnight Pals with uh, Corella's wonderful cast of actors. So we'll be doing that uh, Sunday afternoon. We'll be uh, listening to the first episode, and we'll be kind of going along with that. More details, of course, MidnightPals.com. Uh, Brian. Yes. <clears throat> Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell us where they can find you? If you want to send me death threats or anything <laughs> like that, you can find me on Blue Sky Threads for some reason. Oof. Uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter at uh, ishockeedboard. That's I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D. If you want to check out Tire V Portfolio, it's assholemusicphotographer.com. If you want to check out some photos with words, uh, amusicphotographer.com. My Ash Nico write-up and photos went live over the weekend. Yes, I saw it. Yeah, how'd you like those? Those were great. Yeah, thank you. That was that was a fun show. It would have been a lot more fun if I didn't have some fucking hired security guard like kind of like fucking strong arm me the whole time. Oh, boy. <laughs> They call him big and dumb for a reason. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't like about the pageant as a photographer. It's a great room, great sight lines, great sound. Stage is a little high for shooting, but otherwise pretty good. But they have the, this security company called B&D Security that they contract with. And for, I don't know, 30-something years, they've always been called big and dumb because that's kind of what they are. <laughs> and it's just at this one venue like because B and D will do like festivals and stuff here, but it's just at this one venue and there's only three of them at most. And they're just always a pain. They always, I had a guy, I had this guy acting like he was going to throw me out because like I was blocking, uh, apparently an aisle with part of my foot. <laughs> what? And I'm like, dude, I don't need this, man. I'm just trying to take the fucking photos, man. Like, you're the one wearing the backwards fucking baseball cap in 2023, man. Like I'm not <laughs> right. a problem here. <laughs> right. But anyways, yes. Thank you. Those foes. I really liked taking them. Even if they were made under a little bit of duress, I may or may not be photographing, uh, Amel, uh, Amel, in the, Amel in the, in the sniffers. Okay. Night, okay. Um, at the pageant. I, I love trying to organize credentials with tour managers who um who are obviously very busy people but like can you just can you just give me a yes or no right <laughs> like, i filled out all this paperwork and then he never responded like 
I, I would really like to know if I'm if I'm going to be credentialed or not before I like trek all the way down there and have the embarrassment of going to the box office and be like, yeah, I don't see your credentials here. Oh boy. Fingers crossed on that. Yeah. I'm really hoping I get that because uh, all the foes I've seen from their tour so far have been fucking amazing, and I hope I could take some amazing foes of them as well. Anyways, theartsstl.com, uh, arguably the last and only good actual like media review website left in St. Louis. Well, you can find me online pretty much anywhere there's a video crime. That's going to be me, V-I-D-E-O-C-R-I-M-E. That's Twitter or X or whatever the fuck you want to call it, Blue Sky, various other places, with the exception, of course, of Instagram and TikTok. Those I am at Laser Goose CEO. That's laser with an S because there is no Z in there. Uh, you can also find the show itself, 48minutesdogsbarking.com. Shoot us an email, Jason at 48minutesdogsbarking.com. Brian with a Y at 48minutesdogsbarking.com. Give us a call, 314-246-9766. That's 314-AHOY-POO. And you can also support the show, patreon.com slash 48minutesofdogs. Well, that about does it for the program. This is where we say namaste and good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.